Hello and welcome to Go For It. I'm your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can also send messages on Twitter at GoForKent, G-O-F-O-R-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Great show, jam-packed, action-packed. You're going to love it. Steven Jackson, former NBA player who retired last week, he will be joining us. Jacob Stitch Duran, he'll be joining us. And, and you know, Stitch Duran, we all know the situation with him and uh, Dan White. He uh, got fired. He made some comments about the Reebok deal in UFC. Ultimately, he got fired. We're going to talk to him about that. And going back to Stephen Jackson, that's a great interview. Make sure you stick around for the Stephen Jackson interview. Stitch Duran as well. All these interviews are going to be great. Terrence Plummer, the Washington Redskins, undrafted free agent linebacker. Where he's going to talk about his struggle. Not a struggle per se, but what he's got to do to make sure uh, the Washington Redskins. Also, Neil Brown Jr., actor, one of the stars of Straight Out of Compton, coming to you August 14th. I'm excited for that movie. I'm excited for that movie. I can't say it so many times. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for that movie. But we're going to talk to Neil Brown about that. And also, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe will be joining us. We're going to get his thoughts on the flake gate. Tom Brady. And, and everything associated with the Flakegate, the Patriots, and all that good stuff. L let's start right there with Tom Brady. Um, you, Roger Goodell came out earlier this week. You know what? It's a, it's a suspension has been upheld. Tom Brady suspended for games. Now we're in federal court. The, 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 the NFL Union of Players Association, they're taking it to the federal courts. Um, it wasn't going to be in Minnesota. Now it's in uh, New York. If it's in, and history has shown us in Minnesota, it tends to work out in terms of the work. Terms of, excuse me, it tends to work out in favor of the players. When you talk about New York, it tends to work out in favor of ownership. So we'll see what happens once this thing, uh, you know, gets litigated and whatnot. But ultimately, you know, the both sides want it done before the start of the foul season. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, obviously, you, you got a lot of things coming from both sides. You know, Brady destroyed the phone. You know, Brady didn't destroy the phone. You know, it's common for Tom Brady to destroy his phone. I mean, it, you, you're getting both sides. You know, it, both sides. And, you know, as 
it's here's the thing for me. And you know, for for me, my point of view, for anybody that believes that the league is out to get Tom Brady, I think you're foolish. I mean, he's the golden boy, the golden child, arguably the best quarterback in the history of the game, arguably the best player right now in football, arguably one of the most popular players in football, maybe the most popular player in football, arguably. So for anybody that believes that the league is out to get Tom Brady, I think you're foolish. I think you're foolish of the league to suspend Tom Brady. Game one of the NFL season, a Thursday night, well, guess who's going to be headlining that game? The New England Patriots. And at that point, minus Tom Brady. So, to think that the league would be out to Tom Brady, to me, is just foolish. It, it, it's absolutely foolish. And, you know, you, you look at the situation now, and, and, and if, you know, the players can, can moan and groan, and according to some reports, you know, some of the players are not happy that a, a lot of money is being allocated to freeing Tom Brady. I think the court of public opinion is against Tom Brady. I, I think most people believe Tom Brady did something. Was was it, it instructed the ball boys to do something? Because why? With boys, why would they deflate footballs on their own? Without direction from anybody, that don't happen. So I think Tom Brady, in my opinion, I think it's probable that it happened than it not happening. I think it's more probable that it did happen. I really do. Now, what happened should be interesting. You wonder how the federal courts and the court system is going to handle this. You wonder what is going to be the end result. I think at this point, Brady initially suspended, suspension upheld, and we're still waiting. We're still waiting. And now, what happens? It's going to be interesting. You know, Joy Vincent, I guess, was a part of the initial investigation and essentially laid down the punishment. But obviously, he's not laying down punishment without Roger Goodell. And then we get the appeal. It's heard by judge, jury, executioner, the one, the only Roger Goodell. And that happening is the fault. Of the players. That's the players' fault. For 10 years. That's the CBA's for 10 years. You for 10 years gave the commissioner 
complete say. You know, the appeal was heard. I mean, the initial penalty issued by Ryder Goodell, and then the appeal is heard by Ryder Goodell. There's no checks. There's no balances there. But you, NFL Players Association, you let that happen. You, D. Smith, you let that happen. And now, this is a situation you run into. You don't get an independent arbitrator. You get the man who has something to do with the initial punishment. Make sense? Does it make sense to you? It doesn't, right? So, time will tell what happens with this. I, I'm ready for this story to be over. I'm ready for it to get. I'm ready to to get on with to get on. If Brady is suspended, fine. If he's not suspended, fine. I mean, there was talk of settlement, but uh, according to Georgia Tala uh, of the Players Association, the settlement had no suspension. It was just a fine. So you can't expect to go from four games. You can't expect to go from four games to just a fine. You know, it, it has to be somewhere in the middle. Maybe four turns to two, or, or four turns to one. But I think Brady's. This is about protecting a legacy, and he's never going to admit to anything, and he's going to continue on with the with his belief. That he didn't do anything wrong. I can't blame him. You know, you, you want to protect your legacy. Obviously, it's always best to tell the truth. But he wants to protect his legacy. And, and he's going to do what he's got to do to protect that legacy. Time will tell. I, I mean, I don't think his legacy is stained. I don't look at Tom Brady differently. Others may, but I don't. He's still the best quarterback of all time. In my opinion, Super Bowls, four wins, Super Bowl wins, four for six in the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for David Tyree, if it wasn't for Mario Manningham, if it wasn't for Wes Welker dropping the football, if it wasn't for him dropping the football in that Super Bowl, Tom Brady is at least could be six for six. It is what it is. NFL training camps are, are open. Most of them are open at this point in time. And we're going to bring in a guy now who's at training camp now with the Washington Redskins. Let's bring him in now, Redskins linebacker, Terrence Plummer. How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I'm glad I got this opportunity. Terrence, undrafted rookie free agent, which is a tough road, no doubt. But what gives you hope that you can make this roster? In terms of the roster, man, I think I can, I think I can help this team out a lot. You know, uh, I think they're looking for a guy who's going to work hard and go out there and do, it, do what needs to be done and help the Redskins organization, you know, become a winning, winning organization like we've always been in the history. And uh, I hope that they can just see that, you know, I'm, I'm fully, fully involved and I'm, I'm, my head's fully into, you know, making this team. Now, obviously, you've been through many camps and the OTAs. What kind of feedback are you getting? 
I've been getting good feedback, you know. Um, you know, I haven't been, you know, people have been showing me articles that some people have written about me, you know, about me possibly being become, possibly um, being one of the uh, dark horse candidates to make this team. And, uh, you know, it's always a blessing to get that type of feedback from the media. And for my coaches, you know, they're always telling me to keep working hard and stand on me, you know. And the, and the old adage says, you know, if you're not getting coached up, that means that's not a good thing. But if you're getting coached up, that means that, you know, they want you around. They want to give you a good opportunity to make the team. So I feel like the feedback I've been getting has been good, you know, from up there in Washington. I can't wait to get back up there. Terrence, you dropped 14 pounds in the offseason with the thought that it would make you better in pass coverage. Tell us about it. Oh, you know, just to get more slim and more tone, you know, and uh, help with my body. Uh, you know, I got some uh, feedback uh, getting ready for uh, pro day and stuff that, you know, that guys think I'm a good player, you know, but I have, like, like a body like a block, you know, like a Tetris block. <laughs> I was like, man, I thought I worked hard for this body. So, you know, I went and I just tried to do what I could, you know, to slim myself down, you know, lose body fat. I lost about 10% body fat and become just a leaner, you know, a more efficient player. I think it's really – um paid dividends. And this offseason, I really worked on my strength uh, while I've been training up here in Jacksonville, and I feel like I've uh, really become more powerful and more explosive as an athlete. Now, you said you lost the weight, but you don't feel like you lost any strength along the way. Oh, no. I, I think I did when I was getting ready for pro day, but I think I've gained it back since I've been back home. You know, okay. being, uh, you know, my trainer's been really pushing it to me, you know, uh, high reps, high intensity, and I think uh, I've gotten some of my power back along with, you know, being smaller but more lean. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Terrence Plummer. And now, Terrence, last season, the Redskins, they struggled against the run, and that's your strong suit. Talk about that. Yeah, man, I've always been um, a type of guy who uh, always – I didn't have a real instinct for uh, read and run and, uh, you know, knowing what the offense is doing. Of course, that comes from film study. But also it comes with me just been playing the game, you know, and uh, uh, being a good linebacker. And, uh, you know, I think I can help with the run game, you know. Um, definitely, you know, NFL is becoming a passing league, but if you see year in and year out the teams who can run the ball efficiently in the playoffs and in the end of the regular season are the ones that are making it to the playoffs. And uh, the teams that can stop the run are always in the playoffs. So, you know, I just want to be – if I can be that guy that can plug in and, you know, help on first and second down, and on third down, not be a liability, but can go out there and hold his own in pass coverage, I would love to be that type of linebacker for the Redskins. Do you feel like you've shown any type of improvement in terms of, of coverage? Pass oh, for coverage? sure. You know, yes, for sure. Ever since I've been in uh, at, at Redskins Park, I was working on, you know, I was working on um, being able to cover tight ends and running backs and uh, working with my coach. He, he was teaching me the little nuances of the game, you know, how to read their hips you know, where to attack, and, uh, you know, working with my coaches up there in, in Washington and down here in uh, uh, Jacksonville, I think I definitely helped my pass coverage. The only time will tell when I get to the games and when I get up there for practice, but I think for sure that I, my pass coverage got a lot better. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Terrence Plummer. Terrence, obviously you had a great career at UFC, averaged over 100 tackles over the last three seasons. Ultimately your 40 time kind of hurt your draft stock a little bit. Talk about the disappointment when you didn't hear your name on draft day. You know, it was it was a pretty tough day, you know, because, you know, I was starting to get calls toward the end of the draft saying teams were going to take me and, uh, you know, uh, you know, talking to me and everything of that nature. And uh, it was pretty tough, you know. Um, you know, I can't I couldn't go back on my 40 time from that day. I think I, some people had me at better times, you know, but for whatever I heard, I didn't run as well as I should have, which is, you know, which is, all, which is all on me. 
you know, but I thought I did the necessary things that they asked me to go into pro day, and I improved every number, you know, except for the 40 time, which was tough on me, but, you know, um, it was a tough day on draft day, but, you know, the greatest the greatest moment was getting that call later from the Redskins, you know, so I, it, it told me, you know, that, you know, you're not as hot as a, hot as a commodity as you think you are, but the Redskins see something in you that they're willing to give you an undrafted free agent contract for you to go earn your keep, so that's all I can ask for at the end of the day. What was it like when, so when you got that call from the Redskins, did it kind of, I don't know, obviously you want to get drafted, obviously you want to hear your name, but did it make it all better? Yeah, it did, you know, it, it, but it also gave me a fuel, you know. It gave me that fire that I needed, that, that, that chip on my shoulder, that I needed to go out there and work hard and prove that, you know, the Redskins made the right decision, that everybody made the wrong one. You know, it made, didn't make, it, you know, a good a decision as they did, you know. And uh, that's, that's definitely what draft day brought for me. And uh, when they called, you know, it just it just made me want to work that much harder, get straight to work, and, and go out there and prove the Redskins right for taking a chance on me. Now, did you have any offers from any other teams, or was it just Washington? Were there other teams out there calling for you? Yes, um, a lot of other teams. A lot of teams called, but they weren't willing to pull the, you know, the, the, the trigger because they didn't, they heard I didn't have a contract at at that point in time, and a lot of okay. teams were calling and and everything like that. But they were trying to kind of play that waiting game. And, uh, you know, as soon as uh, the Redskins offered me Pittsburgh call right they said we want them, and it was already too late, you know, and the Dolphins and uh, those teams like that. So and uh, so it was it was definitely, you know, people wanted me as a player, you know, but I just felt like, you know, go with the right decision and go with the person who wanted you right that offered you the contract first, you know, that was the Washington Redskins. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Terrence Plummer. And, and, and Terrence, Redskins had some struggles last season, 4-12. and 12. But being around this team for the mini camps and the OTAs, what's your thoughts? Is there is there a good vibe around the team right now? Yeah, everybody's hungry, man. No, nobody likes to go four and twelve. Right. You know, nobody likes to endure. You know, the NFL season is long as it is already. You know, we start camp right now, and we won't be we won't be done until June. I mean, not June until uh, till January, late January. You know, sometime. And uh, you know, with everybody going through that, you, you could imagine what a locker room is like when you're losing. You know, every game and everybody's trying to trying to get wins, trying to do what they need to do, but not winning. So um, it's been a very good vibe. Everybody's been on the up and up, and everybody's wanting to go chase what we what the Redskins have won is championships in, the, in in back in the day. So we're trying to get right back into that, you know, playoff picture and that NFC picture, and definitely to the Super Bowl. So it's been really good vibes. And uh, when I was up there, up there in Redskins Park, what you seen out of RG three? RG3s look good, man. You know, this is my first year, you know, being in, in the NFL, of course. But when you right. go look at him, you go see you, he, he's, he's back healthy again, his knees, you know. He's not wearing his braces. He's going out there throwing bullets, you know. Just looking like an NFL quarterback could should. But the best thing about him is the guy's just so humble and he's such a leader, you know. You can't help but want him to do well. And if he does well, of course, your team's most likely going to have a lot of success because he's our cornerstone as being our quarterback. So that's definitely been one of the best things about, you know, being out there with Griff. He's just a humble guy, and he's working hard every day, always showing up, always doing what he needs to do to be a franchise quarterback. Let, let me ask you this now, and obviously you guys only really been in shorts at this point, but do you notice the speed of the game and how much different it is from the college game? Yeah, it's, it's, and, and when I got there, I thought it was going to be so fast that I couldn't, you know, keep up at first. 
But if it wasn't that, you know, I think the difference between the college speed and the NFL speed is that, every, you know, guys are fast in college and everything, but everybody's fast in the NFL. The linemen are fast. The quarterback are making reads faster, you know. So it's not just it's not just the running backs and the receivers are fast anymore. The whole offense is fast, and then the whole defense is fast. So you have to you have to know your assignment that much that much better than you did in college, and be able to react that much quicker because the games come at you that much faster. Now going into this camp, what's your mindset? Obviously, undrafted rookie free agent. What's your mindset going into this camp? To go ball, man. Just go. Just go do what you've been doing your whole life. You know. Um, my mindset going to camp is, man, I've been working so hard down here in Florida, you know, just training, trying to do everything that I can to be ready for when I get up there. And, be, you know, one, I want to be a good teammate. I want to, you know, I want to cheer on the guys who are ahead of me, you know, and encourage the guys everywhere around me. Two, I want to be able to, you know, establish myself as a special teams player who's going to work his ass off no matter what's going on. And three, you know, just go out there and just be a baller like I have been my whole life. You know, God bless me with this opportunity, and I just want to go prove that, you know, I deserve to be in the NFL and deserve to be on the 53-man roster. You feel like this is your destiny? Yes. I, I, you know I do. Um, actually, you know, um, I think I feel like, you know, sometimes everybody everybody has different paths, you know. Right. Some guys are first-round draft picks. Some guys are fifth. Some guys have to come from the Canadian Football League, all our camera wake, and then there's guys like me who have to – who are undrafted free agents just looking for the opportunity to go make a team and go make plays. And uh, and, and I feel like I'm one of those guys because I feel like I put the work in and uh, I deserve, you know, this opportunity. And if it doesn't happen, you know, I can say that I gave it my all and did everything that I could. But I believe if, if I give it my all and I put my whole heart into it, you know, there's no way, there's no way I can't. I can't be, I can't be denied. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Terrence Plummer. End of the day, Terrence. Should we expect to see you opening day in a Redskins uniform? Yes, sir. I mean, (laughs) yes, sir. I believe, you know, a lot of people ask me the question, you know, do you think you're going to make a team? You know, I don't want to give up a a, a cocky answer or arrogant answer, but I believe, you know, I should if I go out there and do what I need to do and and the coaches like me and I prove to them that I could be a valuable asset to the organization, you know. So I definitely believe I'll be playing either in the Redskins uniform or any – any other uniform, you know, but I hope I pray I pray that it's a rest uniform because they're the people who gave me my my first opportunity. And I'm forever thankful for that. Fans, make sure you support this man's journey. Terrence Plummer, hit him up on Twitter at Nightbread underscore forty one and support all the great things going on with Terrence Plummer. Terrence, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for this. First, I want to tell you, thank you for this opportunity, man. And uh, just, you know, for people watching me out there, you know, uh, I I want to thank you all for y'all support and everything that y'all do. And uh, God bless. Thank you so much. Take care, Terrence. Good luck to you, man. Rooting for you. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Take care. Terrence Plummer, Redskins linebacker. And he's, he's fighting, he's battling for for a spot. Speaking of a guy who's who, who who's not battling, well, he battled initially his third round pick, Russell Wilson. He got paid today. Not surprising. You knew they would work it out. Flyers, eighty-seven million dollars, six million guarantees. 
So he's gotten paid. He's gotten paid. And basically, what, $21.9 million a year? So he got paid. And so you look at the situation now, Russell Wilson, they take care of him. No surprise, really. And taking care, and you could say, hey, well, he's making a little more than Roethlisberger, but he's behind Rodgers and the salary. And you can say all you want. Well, the Seahawks, they have defense. They have the Legion of Boom. Big-time defense. And so they have that big-time defense. You know, Russell Wilson doesn't do what other quarterbacks have to do to be successful. Seattle ain't winning without Russell Wilson. Seattle ain't winning without his playmaking ability. Seattle ain't doing nothing without Russell Wilson. And so Wilson deserved to get paid. Is he the best quarterback in football? No. Franchise quarterback? Most definitely. And he got paid like a franchise quarterback. He got paid like a, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in football. Seattle doesn't win without him. They just don't. So he got today years, $87 million. And if Russell Wilson, it's only four years. And so if he continues upward, 26 now, if he continues upward, thirty years old when that when his contract expires. If he does the four years, we know how the NFL deals work. But when that contract expires, theoretically he'll be thirty years old, and he can cash in one more time if he continues to trend upward. No got work. None at all. We're going to bring in a guy now who, world-renowned, world-famous cut man, did big things for UFC before, you know, the situation with him and Dana White. Ultimately, he got fired. But he's back on his feet. World Series of Fighting. This Saturday, NBC Sports Network. So make sure you check your local listings and check this man out. Let's bring him in now. World-renowned, world-famous. The one, the only, Jacob Stitch Duran. Jacob, how are you, man? Well, you know, after that introduction, life is pretty good, man. Thanks for that <laughs> intro, but I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. Stitch, let's get right down to it. You made some comments uh, about the new UFC deal with Reebok shortly thereafter. You, were get, you get fired by President Dana White. You haven't even heard from Dana White. Has the shock worn off at this point? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it wore off really from day one, Paul, and, uh, you know, what has really kept me going and the adrenaline rushing and all that is the support I've gotten from the fans and, and the media and the fighters on a worldwide basis. It's been it's been a crazy uh, six, seven, eight days, man, and, uh, you know, something that I definitely didn't expect. You know, I expected some kind of support, but not the magnitude that uh, that it's at right now where 
Uh, I mean, I just got invitations to go do fights in Trinidad, Tobago. I've gotten some in Australia. Okay. I've gotten some in Europe, and uh, so uh, you know, the support has been tremendous. Now, let me ask you this: Let's let's talk about the Reebok deal. How much would that hurt your bottom line as a cut man, being that you're not able to advertise anymore? How much would that have hurt your bottom line? Yeah, you know, that's a majority. I mean, with what I was getting with the uh, sponsors, 75% of what I do in the mixed martial arts, you know, would have come out of that. You know, the uh, money we were making on a UFC show getting paid by uh, by the UFC uh, was definitely not enough for me to consider, uh, you know, living off. And, uh, but a majority of my money came off the sponsors, and that's why, okay. you know, when they came up with that deal and uh, didn't give us any options, uh, at that point, Paul, I had to speak up. Let me ask you this now. When you made those comments, did you think that would lead to you being fired? <laughs> well, no. You know, well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of put myself out there. I knew, you know, you, when you deal with violence, you kind of bother the weed, right? I, I knew it would draw some attention. But I think what really, you know, was the, the handicap to that is the fighters responded or the, uh, the fans responded, responded to that article in support of me, and then they started bashing Dana and Reebok from there, and I think, you know, if that, the fans would have been as supportive as they were, I'd probably be in Brazil right now working the UFC show. Okay. We're talking to world-renowned cut man Stitch Duran, and Dana White has since said, you guys, we're not friends, are not friends. Did it hurt you when he said those things? No, nah, man, I'm pretty tough-skinned, you know, but I, I look at that, and, you know, I just did a radio interview earlier, and, and the guy says, oh, yeah, Stitch and I have been friends. You know, we've never broken bread together. And, you know, there's so many levels of friendship. But, you know, Dana's the one that brought me in. And uh, and he knew my talents. As, well, we were in the gym training fighters before they even bought the UFC, you know. And uh, and he brought brought me in. So, you know, if, if, I mean, he had to know my skills. But uh, I think at that point, you know, we're definitely friends. But maybe not at the level that he's at now and the level where I was at. But, uh, you know. Uh, that was more of a defensive move on his part, I think. Now, if Dana would have appro- would approach you and asked you to come back, would you come back? Well, you know, we'd have to, not under these terms, by all means. You know, we would have to sit down and and uh, you kind of regroup and you know let them understand what we as cutmen, what I as a, as a cutman, you know, do for these fighters and and protecting them from the time that they walk into the dressing room and I wrap their hands to the time they get cut, like the Robbie Lawler fight. Uh, you know, I literally saved him uh, from losing that fight that uh, that would have been very simple for a doctor to stop uh, and, you know, making additional money. So, yeah, I'm always open to that. You know, listen, I had no qualms with the people at the UFC. And, you know, I had so much support from a lot of the staff that called me underground. And, and uh, you know, I loved working with these guys. So, uh, at, at this point, it's not personal. It's all business. Do you expect to hear from Dana White at any point? Oh, no. I think so. You know, I uh, you know if I do go back to the UFC, you know maybe with with and with or if they sell the the UFC or or maybe you know there were some changes made up uh, in the Ivory Towers, but uh, now as long as Dana's there, I I'm sure I wouldn't be there. We're talking to Cut Man Stitch Duran, and Stitch, you landed on your feet. You're now a part of the World Series of Fighting. You got an event coming up this Saturday. Talk about this new opportunity. Yeah, it was great. You know, and. Uh, what made it, what makes it great is, you know, Ray Seppel was the first guy to call me, and I've known Ray for many, many years uh, through the kickboxing world and all that. And and when he asked me, you know, I talked to my wife, and sure enough, you know, I I said I have to do it, but I did it for one reason, and because when Ray first did his first show, the World Series of Fighting, 
he called me to uh, see if I could bring in Cutman as I do with the UFC and, and I've done with other organizations. And and I did that and, you know, we worked the fight and the next thing I know is me and the other veteran Cutman, Don House, uh, didn't get the next five assignments when we'd been getting all of them ever since. So in reality, we got suspended. And, uh, you know, I go talk to uh, one of the people up there that I, that, that I go to and and he said that I gave the WSOF some credibility, and, and he kind of put it in a very smirk way that, you know, understand this, you're an independent contractor, and we hire you on a fight-by-fight basis, and you kind of read between the lines. So, you know, when Ray called me, I said, you know what, I don't know nobody anything, and out of respect to Ray Seppel and the World Series of Fighting, I, I, I took that adventure, and, and the fans now are really supporting it big time, Paul, because they're saying let's boycott the UFC and let's boycott Reebok, and Let's tune into the World Series of Fighting. So, uh, uh, you know, payback sometimes is tough to deal with. So that means you're loved, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I have no regrets, man. And, and uh, I was at the press conference today, and, you know, all the media uh, definitely took some notice and, uh, you know, answered a lot of questions. But I'll be there Saturday, and the fights are on NBCSN at uh, 8 o'clock Pacific. And, uh, God, whatever time it is, you guys over there in the East Coast, <laughs> three hours later. <laughs> so... Now you've done big things in, in the mixed martial arts world. You, you do big things in boxing as well. You're the cut man for Vladimir Klitschko. Vladimir hasn't lost in over 10 years. Yeah, you how know, do you what, see, how do you see uh, Klitschko in terms of all-time heavyweight? Oh, no, I, I think he's definitely up in the mix up there. You know, when you look at, uh, at Vitaly and Vladimir's records, you know, and forget things like this. They fought everybody that came up to them, and, and it's not their fault that they didn't have the Muhammad Ali's or the Ernie Schaefer's or – you know, all these type of guys, the guys that they had, they went right through them. But, you know, as you base it on records and knockout percentages, uh, they're definitely belong in the elite category, no doubt about it. Klitschko Fury in October, another Klitschko victory in your mind? You know, I've never seen Tyson Fury fight. I, uh, but, yes, I no doubt about it. You know, I think, you know, what Vladimir wants to do is he obviously wants to beat Tyson Fury, but then he wants to go after the WBA title that Vitaly Klitschko uh, gave up, or the WBC, I'm sorry, that Vitaly Klitschko gave up when he became mayor of Kiev. And then when he gets all the belts together, I, I think, you know, he'll be happy riding off into the sunset. So, uh, he did. no, that's that's a big goal for him. Let me ask you this. You're also in the corner of Andre Ward. And yes. when, when Floyd Mayweather finally goes, do you think Ward will be the top pound-for-pound guy in the sport of boxing? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I've known Andre since he was a little kid when I used to live in Oakland. And uh, every t- Virgil Hunter and Andre were saying, when I turn pro, I want you to be my cut man. And as I worked this fight, I thought, okay, Andre's good. You know, he's okay. But as I study him and, and do, I mean, I really became a big fan when he fought Mikhail Kessler because I had worked against Mikhail Kessler before in Copenhagen. And he was just phenomenal. But Andre just kind of schooled him. And he, yeah, I, absolutely answering your question. Yeah, he will be the pound for pound because he's just such an articulate, smart, smart fighter, and and you don't see too many of those guys like that. Now let's turn to Stitch Duran, the actor. You're doing big things. You will be doing big <laughs> things in Creed, a spinoff of Rocky in theaters, Thanksgiving 2015. Talk about your role in this movie. Well, you know that's that's kind of a crazy one, man. And you know I got to give a lot of props to you know my agent Matt, Adam Searcher. Uh, you know he was in there in the trenches, but. When I got the script, my name was Marcel, and I said, "Yeah, man, I got to change that because I don't look like a Marcel." But Stallone, <laughs> Stallone did it for me. You know, when we're doing the scenes, he's calling me Stitch, and so I'm kind of playing like the dumb guy in the background as well. 
if Sly's saying it, then it must be correct. But it was time for me to start using my lines, and and uh, the director Ryan Coogler asked me if they could use my my name, and <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. But the the film is going to be tremendous, and I told Ryan, and even even uh, Sly, you know, we both work together on making this as authentic as it was going to be as any kind of movie on all the little details that we as cut men, we as, as trainers, and we as fighters doing uh, in, in 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 a fight. It was, and it's going to be produced in in the movie. So Michael B. Jordan. I mean, I wrapped his hands every day for the six weeks I was there, and I spent a one on one with him on a regular basis, and. And I was very, very impressed with his uh, his skills as a boxer and just a great athlete. And, and working with Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, on a one-to-one-to-one basis for such a long period of time, uh, man, I told him I can't sleep at night, Sly, because I can't believe I'm here with you. You know, I mean, it was just, just an honor to be part of this movie. And uh, I've got a decent role, man. How authentic are the, are, are the fight scenes? They're, man, they're right on point, brother. You know, and, and there was even one scene when Sly is talking to Adonis and, well, Rocky at this point, Rocky is talking to Adonis during the big fight. And I can say this, and maybe I shouldn't, but I'll tell you, there was so much emotion, and I'm working on Adonis, and Rocky is talking to him, and all of a sudden I see tears coming out of his eyes, and I'm thinking, hey, wait, and I'm getting chills, and I'm thinking, hey, is this Hollywood, or is this Rocky (laughs) talking about Apollo to Adonis? And I think it was a combination of both, but it gave me some chills. And, you know, I'm telling people there's going to be a lot of laughter. There's some funny parts. There's some romantic parts. Definitely some action parts. But there's going to be some parts that you're going to say, no kidding. You know, so I'm looking forward to the movie, man. I said, you know, and Sly said, he goes, Rocky's done. This isn't about Rocky. This is about Adonis, the young kid that, that's up and coming. And, and sure enough, it is about Adonis. Well, let me ask you this. This is your fifth movie now. Is it almost time for you to forget your day job and become an actor? Well, you know, and it's funny. I'm doing another one with Edward James Olmos, my Mexican idol, right, that looks like me, uh, <laughs> September the 25th with Anderson Silva. Uh, the three of us are going to be working the corner. So, uh, you know what? They, they just happen, Paul. You know, I, everything that I've gotten to this point from having a book written on my life to these movies to uh, signature cards and all that, I've never asked for one job, man. And uh, they just they just keep rolling. But I had met some people in New York that you know had some scripts that uh, they were interested in, in talking to me about. So I don't know. You know, I I'll bob and weave as they come, man, and I'll I'll take whatever projects that I I think will be fun to do. Doing it the boxing way, bobbing and weaving all the way to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something. Yeah. Fans, make sure you you go to this man's website, stitchduran.com. Also go to his Twitter page at Stitch Duran, and support all the great things going on with Jacob Stitch Duran. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you hey, nothing. Hey, it was a pleasure. Yeah, but the thank best you, luck Paul. moving forward. Yeah, let's do it again. One of these days, man. For sure. Let's do this again. All right. Anytime. Stitch Duran. Pleasure talking to him. And, you know, he was like, you know, he fired, but from the U.S., he's back. Can't keep a good man down. And you can't keep Jacob Stitcher. Can't at all. But, uh, you know, interesting guy, funny guy. So we wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. You know, and, and 
you know, just like, you know, things happen in, in, in boxing, mixed martial arts, and guys get fired. There's no crying in mixed martial arts. There's no crying in baseball. Tell that to Wilma Flores of the New York Mets. I mean, he was crying. He, the, the tears were flowing. Heck, he thought he was getting traded. The fans knew he was getting traded. Everybody seemed to know he was getting traded. He was crying. He wasn't happy. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. And, and so he he's out there crying, tears running down his cheek. Everybody's saying, get this man out of this game. Get him out of this game. He's, he's a mess. He's an emotional wreck. Get him out. They got him out eventually. They got him out eventually. But <laughs> funny. I mean, you felt bad for the guy. Real men cry. At least that's what they said. And he was crying. The tears were flowing. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. <laughs> Ultimately, he wasn't traded at all. He, he ended up not being traded. He, he ended up being okay. He ended up finishing the game. He ended up finishing the game. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. But here's the thing. These guys, you know, when you get traded, obviously, I mean, you got to move. You got to go, and it's instant. It's not one of those situations where I got a new job, you got a month to find something closer to that area and get on out there. You got a month to figure out where your kids are going to go, so on and so forth. For athletes, if you're traded, you got to report. You got to report right then, right now. You, you you may have a day or two, but you got to report. And so, we can say, well, they make all this money. We can say they they have a lot of luxuries, but at the end of the day, they're human. And you know, ultimately, Flores was taken out of the game which just wasn't a bad idea. But I guess at the end of the day, and this is the only organization he knows, the New York Mets, but at the end of the day, this is a part of his life. This is the profession that he chose. And the prof- being that he chose the profession of baseball, the reality is that at any point, any moment, your stay with that team can, can be over. And you could be on to the next. You could be on to uh, a new team. And ultimately, that's what happened. He was on to a new team. And that new team, Mavens, or supposedly, was the Brewers. It was supposedly the Brewers. But it ended up being the Mets, and he's still in New York. And as of now, the trade deadline, he's still in New York. But reality is, you know, you can still be traded. You know, you can go through waivers and all that. So you still can be traded. It may not happen this year. It may happen next year. 
but it still can happen. But the trade deadline's here. Trade deadline is gone. The Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, you're a team now in the mix. Well, you always were in the mix in the AL East. But now you get Troy Tulowitzki. You get David Price, a top-of-the-line starter. That definitely helps your, your, your calls moving forward. That most definitely helps your situation. And there's six back in the American League East, but they have 13 games against the New York Yankees. So if they handle their business against the New York Yankees, if they handle their business, guess what? You know, they, they can win the AL East. And they're also they're two games behind in the wild card standing. So they're there. They're right there. And, you know, getting too low and, and getting David Price definitely helps you down the stretch. It definitely helps you down the stretch. You get some bullpen help as well. Uh, Latroy Hawkins, Mark Lowe. You get a, a decent outfielder in Ben Revere. You know, not great, but he can steal a couple bases, hit for average. So you, you got you, you made out pretty good. So Toronto is definitely a team poised to to make a run there uh, for the playoffs. They're they're poised to make a run in that American League, whether it's in the American League East, six back behind the Yankees, or for that wild card spot, which they're two back of that. But also Cole Hamels, that was that was huge. Where was he going to go? Where 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 was he going to go? Toronto, David Price, he's a renter player. Cole Hamels, you got three years locked in. So the Rangers get their hands on Cole Hamels. And that's a big move for that ball club. They're four games out of you know, the wild card, four games out. They're there. They're there. So a top-of-the-line starter like Cole Hamels, a number one starter, a guy in 2008 was a big reason why the Phillies won the World Series. You have him now in your fold, in the fold. And then when you Darvis gets healthy next season, you got a nice rotation there in Texas. A nice rotation. So, I mean, good move. And if you're the Phillies, you get prospects. And the Phillies, they're about rebuilding, reloading, and, and, and starting all over. They're about starting all over. And they're starting all over right now. And this is the start of starting all over. We're bringing a guy now who's, you know, great NBA career. It ended. He retired last week. He's enjoying retirement life. And he has some interesting things to say in this interview. We're about to bring in a guy now. Had a great career. Called it quits last week. Captain Jack. Made a lot of big-time shots. Got a championship in 2003. Let's bring him in now. Former NBA star Stephen Jackson. Stephen, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. What's going on? Let's get right down to it, man. Last week, you announced your retirement from the league. When did you realize it was over for you? Man, you know, I've been out about two years now. I mean, I knew, I kind of knew I was done after how it ended with the Clippers. Uh, you know, after after getting cut from that team and not really getting the opportunity to play, and then with the situation with 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 the owner, and I spoke on owner, made the song about the about the owner for the Clippers, 
I knew then when I decided to make that song go public with the song, my career was over, and I was fine with it because it's not, if somebody had to speak up on it, and I, I felt that was my job, and if it cost me my career, I was fine with it. So at the end of the day, I did I did a great 14 years, 13, 14 years, you know, with, without any major injuries, no surgeries. I'm healthy. I, I'm, I'm thankful. I can't complain. Man, you got a lot of dudes getting paid in this all season. You couldn't find a way to, to stick around, find a way to, to, to get on some NBA roster? You know, I, I mean, you know, I'm real as possible. They know my phone number. That's why I, before I retired, they could have called me. They could have reached out and let me know that, that they were interested. And uh, I would have I would have definitely been on the NBA roster this year. But, you know, those calls never happened. And I knew, uh, I knew that song had a lot to do with it. So, you know, it is what it is. You feel like you still can play, though? Oh man, of course. I I I know for sure. I had a good three, four good years left in me. I mean, look at the last two years I was in the NBA. They didn't. Even, I really didn't even play. You know, I was just bounced around. You know, not not really treated like like the veteran I was. So you know, it it, it ended kind of sour. But you know, how many guys can say they played 14 years in the NBA? For sure. Anybody who gets to the NBA is too. It's it's, a, it's an accomplishment, no doubt. Let's go to 2003, man. Your championship run with the Spurs. Maybe your greatest run as a pro. Talk about that magical 2003 run with the San Antonio Spurs. It was a blessing, man, just to be able to be in uh, on on a team with David Robinson and Tim Duncan, two of the top ten best players, top fifty best players ever to play in the game, and to be on a team like with the organization like the Spurs. You know, it was an organization that were on an uprise. You know, and I was just I just landed at the right time. We had a great team. It was Ginobili's first year. I got that Tony Parker when Tony Parker was just getting there, so we kind of grew together, and uh, it, it was a special run, man. To say you're a champion and you're the best in the world in basketball and the NBA is the best feeling in the world. The first time around, are you, are you a little upset how it ended? I mean, you had a you no know the, with the whole. Go ahead. No question. I love I, I love the game, and I, you know I, I love playing basketball. I mean, basketball changed my life, my family life, you know everybody around me life. So. You know, basketball is my first love. It means everything to me. So when it, when it's taken, when something like that is taken from you, of course it's going to bother you. But I'm a man. You know, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. I didn't have control. You know, I don't own a team, so I can't sign myself to a contract. So I, I, I didn't sit there and cry over it. Every team, every NBA player in the league right now know I can play, and they all respect me when I'm out there on the court. So it wasn't my play that kept me off the court, and I think everybody knows that. You ever thought about possibly going overseas? Nah, I, I I don't I don't love the game that much. You know, what I mean, I I, I I I feel I feel like that's a, that's a step back. You know, I started overseas. I know the grind. You know, right. I, I went overseas at 18, 19 years old. You know, what I'm saying so. I know the grind overseas. That's something that I about never to go back to. You know, to to get the motivation to get to the NBA. So that's something I never do. But uh, you know, if, if I was ever go overseas, it would be coaching. It definitely wouldn't be playing. We're talking to Stephen Jackson. And, Stephen, you made a lot of pressure shots. As you say, man, you make love to pressure. Explain how you approach crucial moments in the game. Well, I mean, I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to shower. I'm going to jump in my nice car. I'm going to, you know, spend time with my family, whether I miss the shot or make the shot. So, I just I just shoot it with confidence and, and, and shoot it like I know it's going in. And I, I do it every time I shoot the ball, whether it's two seconds on the clock in the first quarter or two seconds on the clock in the fourth quarter. I'm going to be confident with it. And, you know, with that attitude, I make more than I miss. Let's go back now to 2005 with the Indiana Pacers. In my mind, that, that, that's a, that was a championship caliber team before everything went down at the Palace. 
looking back on that roster with yourself, Jermaine O'Neal, and if Rod, then Ron Artest was not suspended, do you guys win the title that year? No question, man. I mean, I think, I think people are just complete haters if they say we wasn't. I mean, look at our record. Look at the way we were playing. I mean, to, 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 even, credit, to, to even credit Ron and how frustrated Ben was. It was early in the season, but the way we beat the way we beat them and the way we were beating all the teams in the league, especially in the East, even Detroit knew at that time that we was the best team in the East and we right. were going to be the championship. So a lot of that frustration being let out had something to do with that too. So we were definitely the best team in the East. We were on our way to the championship, and that would have been a special team, man. But, you know, God don't make mistakes. We all learned from it. Let me ask you this now. and Obviously, you went into the stands. Obviously, you got suspended. Based on what was going on, in my mind, I almost think you really didn't have a choice but to go into the stands because one of your teammates is in, in the stands with 18,000 other people. You know, the way I was raised, you know what I'm saying, I, I, I take full credit for what I did because I know how I was raised. You know what I'm saying? I know how I am with my, my friends. You know, I lost the older brother to some guys jumping on him, and I wish I could have been there, but I know how me and my friends are anywhere we are. Anywhere in the world, we together, and one of us feel like we threatened to harm in any type of way. We all going, we all going out, and that was the same situation with Ron. It's, it's 15, 16 guys on the team in the arena full of 60,000 people, 50,000 people. What else do we do but protect each other? Now, honestly, I'm gonna be real. When I went to the stands, my first mind wasn't to go up there punching nobody. I ran past at least 40 fans. Before I, before I threw a punch, I was actually going to help Ron, but as I got to Ron, where Ron was, another fan threw a drink in his face. So I'm like, okay, right. that's what you want, I'm on that too. You know, I, I could easily get on that too. And that's what happened. I defended my brother. I don't regret it. I regret going in the stands, but I don't regret being there for Ron at all. For sure. Devon Artest, thank you after that. Man, we, we ain't really talk about it. To, we ain't never really talked about it so recently. Okay. You know, uh, you know, it, it was it wasn't nothing that I that I that I expected to thank you for. You know what I'm saying? Situation like that, you don't expect to thank you. You just expect if you in that situation, that person do the same with you without you asking. You know what I mean? And that's just how yeah. I was taught. And, and you know what? Looking back on that whole situation, man, and and I look at Ron Ortiz. First of all, Ben Wallace pushes him in the face. He ignore. He doesn't fight back. He ignores that. Then he gets some soda thrown on him. In a lot of ways, if you take anybody, you get pushed once and then you get soda thrown on you, there's only so much a man can take before he reacts. Yeah, you know, and you know, for the most part, I, I did give Ron credit because he knew he, we, we couldn't afford to lose him or nothing like that. So he kept the cool. He laid on the table, Ben threw right. stuff at him. But when it gets to the point where he's not, Ben is there, he's already thrown out the game, he's still sitting up there for 15, 20 seconds, and then now a beer, not not a soda, a beer comes out the stands and hit him in the face. I mean, how much disrespect you expect a grown man to take, you know what I mean? So not going not going after the guy in the stands, but, you know, I, I mean, you never know what's going through Ron's mind. I mean, he had took so much. I, I, me personally, man, Ben would have got it on right there. It wouldn't even got that far. We would have got it on right there. It would have been quick and easy. You know what I'm saying? Broke it up, and it would have been that. You know what I'm saying? And that would have been, no, me and Ben would have shook hands after whatever, but. You know what I'm saying? You know, Ron, Ron was just trying to handle it different, and everybody knows Ron is different. But at the end of the day, he was my teammate, so I take that different. We're talking to former NBA star Stephen Jackson, and I know, Stephen, after your retirement, you, you had a little issue with ESPN after you made your retirement announcement. What happened? Man, uh, you know, 
I had a great career, man. A lot of people don't don't look at the numbers I put up my career. You know, I was one of the only one only guys that averaged twenty and locked guys up every night. So, you know, for 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 me to announce my time my retirement, and the only thing they have to say is the malice in the palace. You know, that, that's all they could put up. Like I think I think that's the shot. I mean, they they say that's all I talk about. Well, it's funny that they say that's all I talk about when that's imagine how many times they replayed it when it happened. Right. They, re- they replayed it more than anybody talked about it. So, you know what I'm saying? It, it was just a shot. But, like, ESPN, they they, they only going to be along until they get a show that says the real about sports and not say the politically correct answer all the time. And that's when ESPN going to fall. And they know I said something real. They'll never put they'll never respond to it because they don't want me to get, the light, get that light. But I'm telling you, when it becomes a show where somebody that speaks the real about sports and not the biased opinion, what everybody expects, are trying to say the right thing on TV. When that show comes in, ESPN is over. Do you? Will you go back on ESPN at any point? I, you know what? I went on ESPN about ten times for free. I'll never do it for free again. <laughs> We're talking to former NBA star Stephen Jackson. And Stephen, back in, well, first of all, Matt Barnes, he said he wanted to put hands on Serge Ibaka. Back in 2012, you you threatened to do just that. You threatened to go into Serge's mouth. You guys on good terms now? Let me tell you this, man. That was that was two years ago. Like I ain't got no, I ain't thought about that man. I, I wish him and Kerry Hilson well. I ain't got no okay. problem be, beefing with that man right now. Whatever him and Matt got going on, that's between them two. I wish I wish Serge the best. You know what I mean? I wish Matt the best. I ain't got nothing to do with that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm over that. <laughs> Let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick rapid-fire questions, you know, just based off your career. Your greatest moment as a pro? My greatest moment as a pro was probably, uh, not, uh, of course, the championship, but I, I have to say uh, beating Dallas in the first round with the Warriors. You know, that, that, that felt real good. You know, coming from the, 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 the strip club situation I had in Indiana earlier that year, and it being traded to go to state, a lot of people had rolled me off, you know what I'm saying? I felt I still should have made the All-Star game because I had crazy numbers by All-Star break. But, you know, they always looked at my off-the-court stuff. They never looked at my on-the-court stuff. And, uh, you know, as you see, game six and the, beating the Dallas in the first round, number one seed, I had 30-some points. So that felt good just to shut a lot of people up because I knew one thing they couldn't take away from playing basketball. Once I got on that court, you know, it was my world. and uh, They couldn't take that from me. How much did that bother? How much did that bother you that that you know a lot of people take into account more of your off the court stuff than some of the things that you did on the court? Because to your credit, you had a decent career. What, what, what they, the reason why they do that is a simple is a simple fact because I'm not answering and I'm not doing the same thing. Or I'm, I'm not replying the same way every other player. They expect you since you ain't even making enough money. They expect you to say what they want you to say, uh, say the politically correct thing for the organization. But you might not really feel that way, and I wasn't one of those guys. I'm not going to pat a guy on the butt and try to pick him up, and he popping when he a grown man, and he's supposed to be pick his chin up and go play the game and stop popping. No, I'm not going to do that. So if that makes me a bad teammate because you got a 28-year-old man that's popping like a little girl, and I feel like you should put me in the game instead of worrying about a 20-year-old acting like a baby in professional sports, then so be it. I'll be a, and then I just, I, I'm a realist. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I, I just, I just, I just spoke my mind, and a lot of people didn't do that. A lot of people expect me to say what they wanted me to say, and I never did it. For sure, for sure. Your favorite teammate? Ah, uh, that's tough. 
they got they 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 got they got some guys in the NBA I'm down with man for real like yeah they got they got, they got some guys I, I you know if I if I could name let let me name three I have to go okay. Al Hanson I have to go Marquise Daniels and I have to go I probably have to go I, I probably have to go Baron Davis man okay all right your least favorite teammate my least favorite teammate yeah. Oh, yeah, I got one, too. Let me see. My least favorite teammate was probably Danny Ferry. Okay. Why? Because because he seemed like a snake. Like, he seemed like the type of guy that's, that's your friend at practice for going home and calling you the N-word. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you're not surprised at what happened with him and that whole situation with Lou Aldang? Not at all. Okay. Your favorite coach? Uh, my favorite is, is a tie. Yeah. Okay. Is a tie. I, I I love I love Greg Popovich for the opportunity, but I love Nelly for uh for letting me for letting Stephen Jackson shine, letting me be me. Nelly Nelly didn't care. I, no, you know what? I'm gonna say Nelly because Nelly okay. accepted me as who I was, and not tried to he didn't try to change me in no way. Nelly, Nelly gave me the ultimate compliment. If I'm not mistaken, he is the uh, leading, uh, winningest coach of all time, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But to say to, to his credit, the winningest for him to tell to tell the media that he wish he had five Stephen Jacksons on the court. That's the ultimate compliment, compliment by a coach in the NBA. When you had a million coaches in the NBA, he has the most wins. So, you know, I, I have to say Nelly because he let me be me and my play showed it. Your least favorite coach. Scott Skiles, easy. Okay. Why? He got a scar. He got a small man complex. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is with Scott, man. He's, he's just a different dude, man. He don't, you know. I mean, if you if you, if you have not have haven't had success winning as a coach, and you got players who's won championships, and 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 and, and some of your players who on the court want to give you their advice, I think you should take it. Not not saying you should let the players coach, but at the same time, these guys are out there playing. He was too stubborn to even listen to the players, and it's hard for you to have 15 guys support you as a coach when you don't even listen to your point guard. We're talking to former NBA star Stephen Jackson. Stephen, any take on what what do you think on uh, about this whole Meek Mill uh, Drake beef? You got you got a take on it. You're in the rap world now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's. First of all, let me speak on how I don't I don't like how Meek do. I mean, anytime you got to try to downgrade somebody to get attention, it never works out in your favor. You know what I'm saying? Worry about what you can control. You don't have no control over Drake's career of Meek, so I think that was weak what he did. And as you see, Drake up 2-0 right now. So, but I, you know, I'm 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 a Drake fan. I've always been a Drake fan. Drake make great music. You know what I'm saying? Nothing against Meek. Meek can rap, but Drake make better music. You know, I I, I just don't I just don't applaud people when they got to try to diss somebody to get fame. That's, I mean, that, that, that's not, that's not cheating me. What's up with Steven Jackson, the rapper at this point? Man, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I just dropped a mixtape not too long ago, a couple months ago with me and my homeboy, my guitar, real, I remain on my mixtapes and live mixtapes. And, uh, you know, I got, I got a solo, solo mixtape coming soon. I'm just working, man. You know, it, I, I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me to get my respect in the music game, man, but that's why I stay busy. That's why I keep coming with music. You know what I'm saying? That's why I continue to show them that it's not really about money. It's about that I can I can stand in front of any one of these rappers and I rap them. So, 
I'm just doing me, man. I'm and I'm I'm on God's time and not mine. You know what I mean? I'm gonna stay working and uh, just continue to have fun while I'm doing it. So real quick, you you want to do a cipher real quick? You want me to give you some some clean right quick? I got it. Got no cursing, right? All right, go ahead. You say no cursing, right? Uh, you, you can throw a little in. I, I I don't have to. I, see, I, I probably have keep, something clean. I can say. Keep, keep it family. Uh, uh, let's see. Stack five, I'm the greatest. Ali Jack five. I stack five M's. Why you trying to patch five? On the quarter in the street, I hear when you talk. True blood, effort show. Y'all dudes false. Advertise to the streets, poor credit score. My pocket's looking like a garden the way my letters grow. I take your income and mess it off on Sue's flow. I hit the top, strip it up like a V-Live. Uh. I'm just a guff weight dude with his bread right. Rolling bezel looking like a set of headlights. The rock shops on the rocks got my head right. I'm on my grind and I ain't stopping for a red light. Drop head, red rum when I pull it out. It got me uh, up the game and I ain't pulling out. Came from nothing, so I spin it just like that. I live every line around. These dudes just rap. Steven Jackson, Captain Jack. You now did. stack. Stack. Good stuff, man. Good stuff there. Appreciate it, man. Fans. Make sure you support this man, his journey. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at the Trill Stack 5 also on Instagram at Stack5OTS, and support all the great things going on with Stephen Jackson. Stephen, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Man, anytime you need me, I appreciate you having me on. Just hit the line, bro. All right, take care. All right, salute. Stephen Jackson former NBA player, former NBA star. And one thing you can say about Stephen Jackson, he keeps it real. He keeps it 100. Um, you know, you, you may agree, you may disagree, but he's going to give you the honest answers. And, you know, it, it's funny. A lot of times in, in sports we, we want guys to be honest. We want guys to tell the truth. We want guys to keep it real. And when they do keep it real, when they do tell the truth, we rip right into them. We rip them. Like, well, why are you saying that? You don't need to say that. You don't need to say it. Why are you saying it? But when they do, when they actually tell the truth, it's refreshing. And quite frankly, it's very refreshing to, to hear someone tell the truth. To, to, to hear someone tell them tell what's really real. And, and and that's what Steven that's what you get from Captain Jack. You get a guy who's going to tell you 100% unadulterated truth. Whether you agree with his truth, disagree with his truth, you're going to get his truth. And that's what Captain Jack brings to the table. Again, a, a, a very solid career, a very solid career for Steven Jackson. You, you can't knock the career of Steven Jackson. You can't knock a guy who, who, you know, won a championship in San Antonio, big shot maker throughout the course of his career, a, a, a guy who, 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 like he said, he, he put the ball in the basket, and he also locked it, you know, he's a decent defender, a, a solid defender. And the Spurs may not win in 2003 if, if it was not for what Steven Jackson brought to the table a big, 
shot maker. He made love to pressure. He made love to it. Loved it. So much that he made love to it. But again, a solid career for Stephen Jackson. And, you know, it ended. It ended before he wanted it to end. He didn't go out necessarily on his own terms. You know, obviously he wanted to go out on better terms. Obviously he wanted to leave when he wanted to leave. And unfortunately in life, you know, we we always want to leave when we want to leave. But it doesn't necessarily work out that way. You know, sometimes God has something a little different. Sometimes God says says something else. Sometimes God says right when you want to go left. It is what it is. But again, Stephen Jack says nothing. Uh, he can't put his, you know you don't have, have to put his head down. This man can walk out high with his head held high because he had a tremendous career. He won a championship, and you know he made big shots throughout the course of his career. So you know, kudos to Stephen Jackson, and then you know what he brought to the table for all the teams that he's played for throughout the course of his career. Sheldon Richardson of the New York Jets. This 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 man, you know, he he's gotta do better. He's gotta do better. You know, you you're you're fleeing from cops. This man arrested and he he's, you know, drag racing and whatnot. He's fleeing from cops at a rate of hundred and forty three miles per hour. You know what I mean? That's incredibly fast. I mean, that's dangerously fast. That's ending your life fast. And, you know, you're riding that fast. You got a semi-automatic handgun in your, your car. You Your car smelling like marijuana. And not only do you have a couple adults in there, but you have a 12-year-old. You have a 12-year-old in the car. So, you know, you're doing dumb stuff, and there's a 12-year-old alongside of you. You already got a four-game suspension for marijuana. You're trying to get yourself paid. Now... Who knows how long you're going to be sat down? Who knows? (laughs) Stupid. I mean, it's just stupid. Absolutely dumb. For, For a guy who has so much to lose. What are you gaining by, by, by drag racing? Nothing. You're not gaining anything by drag racing. You're not gaining anything by doing what you just did. You're you're hurting your money, man. You are hurting your money. And you, you shouldn't want to mess with your money. You should 
did not want to mess with your money. Like, come on. I mean, you got an opportunity in the NFL. Here's the thing. You only got so much time to make so much money. You, you, You talked about, you know, you wanted to change things in your life. And, and obviously, what you know, you're talking about, you don't want to smoke weed no more. Cars smell like weed. You, you know, he's saying I'm not a dope fiend. Could have fooled me. You could have fooled me. And, and, you know, now, with this latest situation, he could be sent suspended maybe 10 games. I mean, you got to do better. I don't know how much you know better, but you got a lot of money on the line. And you're out there acting a fool. You're, you're out there, you know, driving 143 miles per hour, eluding cops. Danger in the lives of the two men in the car and a 12-year-old boy. Not only do you have a gun in there, but your car smells like marijuana. Did I mention there was a 12-year-old boy in the car? Come on. Come on. And you've obviously been smoking weed and failing drug tests, thus you got that four-game suspension. I mean, you're out there being stupid. You're being stupid. And, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, at this point, if you're not going to get it, then you, when you finally do get it, it may be too late. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean it. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Rocky. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Go for it. BlogTalkRadio.com. Paul Gann here. Talking sports. Having fun doing it. Next week. Well, two weeks from now, and uh, I'm so excited for this movie to come out. Straight out of Compton, I mean, the 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 story of N.W.A. 
you got to love NWA. Hey, you, you may not agree with all the things they did. You may not agree with some of the things they said in their songs, but you got to love them. They were bold. They were daring. They were adventurous. And they were big time. They were big time. The original gangster rappers, NWA, you got to love them. And we're bringing a guy now who's going to be a part of that story. He plays DJ Yella in the movie, straight out of Compton. Let's bring him in now, actor Neil Brown Jr. Neil. Hey, what's what's up, brother? How are you, man? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Straight out of Compton, Neil, coming out August 14th. Very anticipated film. I can't wait. How excited are you for the people to see it on August 14th? Oh, I'm extremely excited, man. Um, I, I think all of us involved with the film um, are, you know, we're so pleased with uh, what we did under Gary that, you know, I, I've been, I wanted to see this movie, uh, you know, myself, period, before I ever, was ever involved with the project. Uh, because, you know, I, I, you know, I'd love to see the movie, uh, the, the story of the rise and fall of NWA. So um, it's like a dream come true in a lot of different ways, and a lot of people are uh, very hyped on it, as am I. Now let me ask you this. Now, you know, as you said, you play you play DJ Yellow in this movie. Tell about tell us how this role came about for you. Um, it you know, I auditioned just um, like a lot of people did. They they were casting for this movie for a long time. I think they figured out that it took thirteen years to get him actually made. Um, right. And for two years ago, they had a cast, and then that didn't work out to their liking and. Um, my friend uh, Corey Hardrick, who's um, another actor that I did Battle of Los Angeles with, you know, he's uh, married to Tia Maori. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he kept saying, you know, man, hey man, get on this, man, you better get on that NWA. You know, they cast me for it, and I'm like, eh, man, they're not gonna cast me, <laughs> you know. And um, I eventually, you know, he kept drilling me on it, <clears throat> and uh, I went and he talked to my manager about it, and they're like, yeah, we're already working on it. I got an audition, and it went nowhere. Um, you know, I got my material ready and everything. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go smash it. Yeah, I got this. Boom. I go in. I suck, apparently, or whatever. <laughs> uh, and it, it, three months later, they called me again, and my manager was like, hey, I got you an audition for Stay.com. And I was like, oh, this is a callback? And he was like, no, uh, they're just re-auditioning you. <laughs> I'm like, you know, what's going on? I guess they did switch casting directors to Victoria, Vicky Thomas. Okay. I went in, man, and, um, you know, I sucked again, apparently. I mean, she kept, she got on me, son. She was like, you know, she was like, no, I do less. And then I'd start to talk, and she said, no, do less. And I haven't even, even said a word yet. What are you talking about? Do less, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, kept telling me to make different decisions. You know, long story short, uh, after that, I got called in to talk with Gary, met the guys who had al- who already cast, it's Easy, Dre, and um and uh, they sent me the offer like a week later. I cried like a baby. Uh, good times. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Let me ask you this, and, and, you know, obviously very anticipated film. How familiar were you with NWA before you took on this project? Oh, very much so. I mean, you know, I, I grew up with, on the tail end of, um, right. you know, the music. I mean, I, I, I was on it. It was the first record I heard uh, cursing on. Um when I was a kid, you know, it was like, I always tell people it was, you know, something, you know, risque. It was like finding your dad's Playboy, you know what I'm saying? And, and having to hide it, you know what I mean? Like, yo, 
I hit the money here. Well, your uncle's from in, in my in my, in my situation, but um, uh, yeah, I you know I I I, I love music, man. I grew I grew up with it. You know, it was it spoke to me. You know, because a lot of that, a lot of that mess was going on. So you know, nobody was talking about it, and then it was like out there, boom. And they were angry, but they were like truthful, and you know, weren't trying to hurt nobody. He was just trying to you know be a voice where they want. But it For wasn't mine. Sure. For sure. I mean, it definitely. And it's funny, to your point, you know, the cursing and everything, it was kind of like the first time you heard, you know, so much cursing and like music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Besides Too Short, and I mean, you expected that, you know what I'm saying, from Too Short, but like, you know, these guys, this was the first time it was like, yo, it was, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, okay, wow. You know, I had to. My homies get to listen to it in secret, <laughs> you know, listen to the record. Like, <clears throat> you know, we had to look out, you know. Mom's gone? Yeah. Aunt gone? Yeah. All right, let's get it. Put the record on. Put it on. Put it on, sir. Like, yeah. And then, you know, then we start trying to scratch and stuff like that. You know, it was, I came up in that area like B-Boys and, right. and, you know, trying to cut records and all that stuff like that. Everybody thought it was a DJ. Everybody thought they could spin on their head. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was big, it was big um you know it was a big um big dream come true. I never thought in a million years that I would you know be playing even you know necessarily meet these guys, let alone um you know playing one of them in in a, in, in the story of their their life. Now how was it? How was it meeting uh, the guys? Uh, you know Dre, Cube. You know how was it meeting those guys? Oh, it was dope, man. You know. Um, you know, all very cool, very humble, um, very much, very much the picture that I that I had of them is is kind of you know it's, it was very much on point. You know, just cool, quiet guys. You know, great energy. Um, you, you know, Cube is <laughs> Cube got that scowl. You know, so when he smiled, it scared you for a second. Like, oh snap, he's smiling. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dre, Yella, Ren, Ren definitely the most serious of the group. <laughs> um, you know, um, and then to, to, to make a, you know, uh, a, very much like a, 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 a welcome surprise that they were as, as cool and as as normal um, as I thought they were. You know, aside from the fact that you know, Pets got money. <laughs> you know, you see, Sh- you see, Suge Knight. Uh, no, no, I did not. <clears throat> Okay. All right. Nah. Good. Don't tell nobody. Yeah, I ain't got nothing to do. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You're breaking up, man. You're breaking up. What you're talking about? <laughs> like your reception is bad. Don't get your balls up, son. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no. I, I got yeah. nothing to say about Shook. Yeah, got nothing to say. Nah. Good to stand up and talk to the earth. Some people say. For sure. For sure. Good night for president. For sure. Yeah. We're yeah. talking to actor Neil Brown Jr., one of the stars of Straight Outta Compton in theaters August 14th. Let me ask you this now. How much more did you learn about N.W.A. as you got involved with the script and just being on set and, and talking to the guys? Um, You know, we learned, oh, man, wow. Because you said the script. Um, We had a script, and then we had another script, and then we didn't have a script. So, like, the script was being rewritten every day. Every day there was new pages, and then they would rewrite it, like, three more times before we actually were going to film. So, um, you know, we learned how to be N.W.A. We learned how to be, 
you know, our um, actors, our you know, the real life counterparts act just like them, you know, and to and to you know respond accordingly to whatever situation we were put in, uh, because we got so deep into, you know, their lives and the material, and they were there. You have to admit, aside for easy, every you know, they were there. Uh, Dre was there, Cube was there, Yeller and Rand. So if we had questions, they they were right there to answer them. Um, I found out, you know, just, you know, everything takes work, but these guys had a crazy work ethic, you know. It was about business. It wasn't about, like, you know, there's, of course, there's going to be the, the, the debauchery and the and the craziness, you know, with, right. the, with the girls and all that stuff. But for the most part, these are businessmen, you know. They they went in from like you know nine to three, and from three to five when they were recording, and um, you know it wasn't a lot of foolishness going on or nothing like that. These cats were like trying to get this you know get this money and get they they message out or whatnot. So I I just learned about like how much work went into uh, what they did, you know how 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 much writing they did and producing they did for other people other groups, how many you know who they came up with. I got you know we got real deep into the material, you know, because the guys recorded all their songs. <clears throat> so it sounds like you almost had a greater appreciation for what they did, you know, you know, being around these guys and talking to these guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. You couldn't help but to, I mean, you know, because it's, it's humbling and it's it's all big and it's great and it's awesome because, you know, I, I grew up with the music. But then, right. you know, you perform their songs in front of them and like 2,500 extras, it, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of humbling, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, like, wow, wow. I feel like hyped off of this and it's only like 2,500 extras. Y'all had 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, you know what I'm saying? And y'all were like young. So, you know, and people weren't coming out and going to rap, you know, listen to rap groups like that. And a lot of their fan base was, you know, middle America white guys. And girls, you know what I mean? Which blew their mind. They were like, whoa, whoa. And they come out, they're like, yo, what all? Because they didn't know, you know, they just knew they made the hood happy, which is all they wanted to do. And then, boom, you know, middle America's like, yo, that's right. That's the police. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, around the time, you know, I went to school with mostly uh, white kids, and and the white kids were, were definitely singing NWA. You know, they were after yeah, the police too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, universal. I, I believe you know, all good music is universal. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think it speaks to everybody. We're all human. You know. So. Um, you're you're a, you're a Florida boy, and you know you were born in Orlando. You grew up in Florida, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. I lived there a long time. So, so you know, was it easy for you? I know you're able to to mimic voices. Was it easy for you to get that that Cali West Coast accent? Uh yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a good look I don't you know I'm I do okay when it comes to stuff like that so I had a good ear so it wasn't really that difficult um he he, he Yellow had a different way of talking than even the rest of the guys his voice you know what I'm saying and and when you speak you know, a lot of times cats in L A they speak in the upper register anyway and you know I I've been around you know, I've been in California for quite a while now so um yeah it wasn't too difficult you know. Dove C was there every day too, so he was gonna make sure you got everything right anyway. <laughs> Give us like, a little taste of yellow. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was something yellow say? Uh, what is what did yellow say? Uh, wait a minute, is this censored? Is this, wait a minute, 
I mean, you can, you can clean it up a little bit, but, you know. Uh, because, you know, he got the – this is what I would say every day before, every time I do a scene. Every motherfucker always asks us, how did NWA get started? We don't know how they got started. Man, forget that question. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how you would talk. <laughs> We're That's talking exactly to actors. We're talking to actor Leo Brown Jr., one of the stars of Straight Outta Compton in theaters, August 14th. Make sure you check it out. I, I, I'm reading here, man, that you you know, you know got a little Nine Lives thing working here. You've been hit by a car three times? I mean, is, is that Oh, true? yeah, not all at the same time, but <laughs> yeah. I always tell people, don't believe everything you read, but that one's true, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 like, but th- yeah, three times, um... Once in a buggy, once running across the street, and once running uh, away from my mom when I was a little boy. And the dude was revving up his Trans Am and, and backed it and smashed me in the head. That's why I got the cut over my eyebrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a fashion statement. It's real in the field. Yeah, yeah, I was I was a knucklehead as a kid. I was, my dad always had a hard head, make us off behind, so. For sure. Uh, you know, that... that <laughs> that happened to me. I, I stay out the road now. I stay out the road. I don't. I don't. I don't do cross and discriminate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. Or use a crossing guard or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> also, I'm reading here, man. You, you, you know, you're a karate guy. Yeah. 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 Since I was a little, little shorty. That's how oh, I got into acting. So. So we shouldn't mess with you, right? You're a karate guy. Uh, I don't need a house, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I tied box. I did um, Muay Thai karate and, and I box. Okay. My, my uh, Uncle Tiger fought Muhammad Ali in exhibition when I was a kid, so I had the love of um, you know fighting since I was like four or five years old. Okay. So yeah. before we get out, yeah, before we get out of here, we we, we got to play a game. How well do you know NWA? I'm going to give you uh, lyrics to a song, and you're going to make a guess. I'm going to give you three choices on what song that is. You ready to play? Yeah, yeah, we can go ahead and play. All right, here we go. You know I am the DJ, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read this lyrics to you. Here we go. You'd rather see me in the pen than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. Is that dope, man? (laughs) Yeah, me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. (laughs) Is that straight out of Compton? What, What is it? Uh, don't let it be a bite. Police. Oh, excuse me, F police. Got it, got it. Correct, correct, correct. Question number two. Here we go. Yeah. Ain't no telling when I'm down for a jack move. Here's a murder rap to keep you dancing with a cry record like Charles Manson. Who we got? Is that eight ball? Is that express yourself? Is that straight out of Compton? Oh, stay out of county. Okay, you're you're correct. You are correct. Yeah. In the last last one, you're two for two. In the last one, and they'll get you for your money. Let me do it again. And they'll get you for your money, son. Next thing you know, you get their hair and they nails done. Is it I ain't the one? Is it dope man or is it express yourself? Ooh, that was much better. That's a good one. Um, say the lyric again. Okay, let's read it again. And they'll get you for your money, son. Next thing you know, 
you're getting their hair and their nails done. I ain't the one. Dope man or express yourself. Uh, I ain't the one. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I ain't the one. Yeah. I thought I got you. I thought I had you. Uh, I thought you had me too. But I was like, hey. you got to remember, see, I have to know all the music. Right? I know the music from growing up, right? But I had to know the music for the jab and the cut, okay. right? So we had to, um, so they, we, we recorded their entire anthology. Okay. Right. So we re-recorded the music. So like in the trailer, when you hear him, when you hear Easy cruising down the street and my six folks, it's Jason. That's not Easy, right? Okay. So, you know, they were recording whereas I had to learn to do every scratch and every cut exactly on every song. So my my thing became just timing and beats. Like I couldn't even listen to the lyrics anymore while the song was playing because I'm listening for the music. It, it, became, it was it was cool, man. It was cool. So. Every once in a while, you know, I don't feel too sharp, but I, I do all right. <laughs> We're yeah. talking to actor and one of the stars of Straight Outta Compton, Neil Brown Jr. And, and let me ask you this now: obviously, Straight Outta Compton coming out August fourteenth. What else you got going on? Uh, I got a movie, Rivers Nine, with uh, Jamie Kennedy. <clears throat> Actually, it just got just got released. Um, it's one of the other. Um, Poster boys, I got up there in Times Square, man. We take no Times Square right now. Uh, I got that one. I got a movie called Buy Yourselves, and I got some. I got some other stuff in the works right now, man. And you know what I'm saying? I can't exactly talk about it right now, but it, it, right, right, right. it's it's some it's a, it's a few beautiful things going on right now, man. You know what I'm saying? But right now, the, the joint is straight out of Compton. You know what I'm saying? Um, the reviews are out and people loving it, so. I'm just looking forward for everybody going to, to experience this film. Yeah. So it's a great time, a great time to be Neil Brown right now. Apparently, man, you know, I'm blessed. I can't complain. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Let me ask you this now before we get out of here. I hear that you're able to mimic voices. Uh, all you got to do is hear it, and you're able to do it. Do my voice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait a minute. It's different over the phone. <laughs> it's different over the phone. Uh, uh, wait, before you get out of here, let me ask you this. Um, do my voice right now. Something like that, right? <laughs> sure, it sounds good. Sure, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is about you. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so it sounds like you got me. Okay, I got it. I would have to hear a little bit more, but that's that's on the spot, you know. For sure, for sure. But I mean, that's something you you can definitely do on a regular basis when it comes to you know mimicking voices. Yeah, I typically do like people who don't even expect it, like the PA that's sitting there. You know what I'm saying? I just hear, I just listen to him for a little while, and then it just comes out. I don't know. I, I don't know who started paying attention to that, but it's something that I do on set typically. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? And typically, I just start talking like the person where they don't, you know. I'm I, I more like their mannerisms and their voice and their timbre and the way they talk. So I'll start acting like them until they get it. Okay. <laughs> End of the day, who who is who is your favorite NWA? Who is your favorite member? I always thought Ice Cube was the best, but who who is your favorite? Who is the best? 
Oh, man, I can't even do it like that. It would have to be DJ Yellow because I play DJ Yellow, right? <laughs> if you go make me choose, you know what I'm saying? Man, I, you know what I'm saying? I love Cube and Dre, man. He's the whole group, man. I love the whole group. I, I mean, you know, we like brothers, so I can't even single one member out, you know what I'm saying? Because of, uh, you know, that, I mean, every once you go into, the, like, each one of them, while you're, like, going through their real story, through everything, you got love for all of them, like, Equally, you know what I'm saying? Okay. They all have it's. It's all very interesting. For sure, definitely. Those, those. I mean, they got a story to tell. I can't wait to see the story. August 14th. Make sure everyone, you check it out. August 14th. Check it out. Straight out of Compton, and check out this man, Neil Brown Jr. Make sure you hit this man up on Twitter at one Neil Brown Jr. and support all the great things going on with this man, Neil Brown Jr. Neil, Thanks, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing you too, but man. the best of luck. Let's do this again. Oh. Same to you, brother. Same to you. I appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Take care. All right, you too, man. Peace. Actor Neil Brown Jr., straight out of Compton, in theaters, August 14th. Make sure you check it out. I'm excited for that particular movie. You know, when they announced that movie was coming out, man, I was like, okay. When 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 they announced the date, I'm there. I'm there. August 14th, straight out of Compton. You know, those guys have a a story to tell. I mean, an amazing story to tell. You know, they're legends. They are legends of the rap game. Absolute legends. And so... These guys, you know, to the, the, the see their story, to hear their story, and, and to see it on, in, in theaters, it, it's going to be tremendous. It, it's truly going to be tremendous, and, you know, I can't wait to see it. Mike Scott, Atlanta Hawks, you know, we're talking about, you know, we, we got done talking about Sheldon Richardson. We're going to talk about Mike Scott. Right now he's facing felony drug charges. I mean, this, you know, crazy. You 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 think about these guys and <laughs> you know this guy is you know he's got a Molly you know he's messing with Molly, Molly you know what I mean he's he's messing with that you, you you look at these guys and you're like dude you're you're a professional athlete I mean you make millions of dollars what are you doing if you're about to pop a Molly don't don't you think you should just do that at home. I mean, why, why, why are you in your car driving around and, you know, <laughs> just acting crazy? I mean, you're, you're getting pulled over, you know, <laughs> you're driving 98 miles per hour. I mean, come on. Come on, man. You, you got to be better than that. You make millions of dollars. You, <laughs> I mean... What are you doing? Take Uber. Take a cab if, if you're going to be wa- walking around with, you know, with, with an ounce of marijuana and 10.9 grams of MDMA or a Molly. You know, you, you're walking around with all this, all these things, you know, and <laughs> and, and you, you, you're not being smart. You're not being smart. And and a smart man, a wise man. First of all, smart and a wise man is not carrying around, you know, an ounce of marijuana and ten point nine grams of of Molly. You know, you're not doing that. 
a, a smart man is not doing that, doing that at all. I mean, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into, but be smarter about it. You know, do it at home. You know, I mean, just be smarter. Take a cab and do it at home. You got to be smarter than that. And, you know, obviously Mike Scott, a guy came off the bench for the for the Hawks last season. A guy, you know, he's a solid, you know, rotation player. But, you know, you got to be smarter, man. And, and, you know, continue with this. Well, George Hill, Jordan Hill, excuse me. Well, this dude, you know, he's driving 107 miles per hour in a 65-mile-per-hour zone. You know, come on. Jordan Hill, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, I, and I'm, hey, everybody speeds. You know, every, everybody does stupid things. Everybody speeds. I get it. I get it. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't be the first to drive 107 miles per hour. won't be the last. But you got to be smarter. you got to be smarter. And, and even, you know, reaching, you know, I, I, I'm a slow driver. I've been told many to, by many people many times that I drive too slow. I've been told that many times. So it, it, that's nothing new for me. I, I'm, you know, I'm used to people telling me that. But if you think about it, if you're driving 107 miles per hour, well, is that wise? Is, is, is that smart? It's not. It's dangerous if you really, truly think about it. It's dangerous. But, you know, thank goodness, thank God, Jordan Hill, nothing happened to him. Thank God, Sheldon Richardson, nothing happened to him. You know, thank God for that. You know, thank God that, that you know, these guys were able to avoid injury because that what happens when you, you know, get do those type of things. You, you, you run into, uh, you can run into bad and negative situations. You can most definitely run into bad and negative situations for sure. For sure. And, you know, now switching to the NFL, training camps are, are, are pretty much open. You know, you can, the Hall of Fame game is coming up next week. You know, so football is, is, is slowly but surely back. And, you know, it, it's always a good time of the year when training camps open and, and every, every team is hopeful. Every team is, you know, every, everybody wants to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody wants to, you know, think they have a shot. Everybody. But, you know, the reality is, and, and, you know, the more you watch the game of football, the more this is real. It all starts with your quarterback. You need a franchise-caliber quarterback. Russell Wilson got four years, $87 million, $60 million in guarantees because he's a franchise quarterback. That's why he got paid. And, and no matter the, the, the era, no matter the time, the quarterback always got paid. And you just look to the final four teams that were in uh, the championship games last year. The final four teams, New England, we all know who their quarterback is, the great Tom Brady. The Colts, we all know who their quarterback is, Andrew Luck. The Seahawks, we all know who their quarterback is, Russell Wilson. And the Green Bay Packers, we all know who their quarterback is, Aaron Rodgers. So you can, as far as I'm concerned, unless 
Your defense is the Baltimore Ravens defense. Unless your defense is the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, unless your defense is that, you can even argue unless your defense is the 2013 Seahawks defense. Unless your defense is that, you're going to have a difficult time if you don't have a quarterback. And so you look at football and you look at the chances of teams, you look at their quarterback, first and foremost. That, that's, if, you, if you have a franchise quarterback, you have a chance. You look at the NFC, AFC East. Brady's a franchise-caliber guy. Buffalo, who knows who's going to be? Is it going to be Matt Castle? <laughs> I mean, who's it going to be in Buffalo? Who's your quarterback for the Buffalo Bills? That's an issue. That's an issue. So, obviously, your quarterback position is up for debate. Your quarterback position is up for debate. Is it going to be E.J. Manuel? I mean, it's up for debate. And because your quarterback position is up for debate, you know, it's going to be difficult for you. I mean, you look at those Jets teams, the Mark Sanchez-led Jets teams, and, and, you know, Rexy and and Revis and those boys and Bart Scott and those boys. Can't wait. You know, you you look at those teams. They had good defense. They had great, you know, they had very good defenses, a very good defense for the Jets. But their quarterback position, was suspect. Mark Sanchez, it was suspect. You know, he can only do so much. He can only take you so far. That's why they weren't able to break through and ultimately get to a Super Bowl. The defense that they had was Super Bowl caliber, but the quarterback position was lacking. You need a quarterback. The Philadelphia Eagles. You know, we, 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 we come into this season, and, and Chip Kelly's making all these changes. DeMarco Murray in, LaShawn McCoy out. I mean, they're, you know, they're making change after change. Nick Foles out. Sam Bradford in. You know, change after change after change. And you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and there's so many questions when it comes to their quarterback position. Is it going to be Sanchez? Is it going to be Sam Bradford? How healthy will Sam Bradford be? Back-to-back ACL injuries. Is it even going to be Tebow? Doubt it. But, hey, you get my point. The quarterback position is suspect. It's questionable. So you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and you say, well, upgrades were made on the defensive side of the football. So, yeah, there there were upgrades made. Byron Maxwell, you know, you you get, uh, you know, that prize-free agent. But you look at the quarterback position, it's suspect. You get DeMarco Murray, uh, who had the, you know, led the league in rushing last season. But your quarterback position is suspect, and it's question marks. So, I mean, it, it, it all comes down to quarterbacks. And, again, going back to Russell Wilson, you can say, well, he doesn't deserve that money. Well, all he did was win, win, win. And I don't care what defense he has. I don't care what running back he has. He made plays when plays needed to be made. Bottom line. And so you, you, you look at the NFC East and, and, and Eagles, obviously, who's your quarterback? The Cowboys, 
you know, they, they got some decent draft picks there. The guys who, who who theoretically could have been number one draft picks, they you know, they come to the, they slip to the Cowboys, and you know, maybe they made upgrades on their defense. Greg Hardy's going to be out four weeks, but guess what? That could have been ten games. It's only four weeks. He could play twelve football games. And one thing we know about Greg Hardy, he can get after the quarterback. And Tony Romo, to me, got to the Cowboys to the playoffs, and they were a Des Bryant catch away from going to the NFC Championship game. But the Cowboys, they have a franchise quarterback. The Giants, question marks about Eli Manning, who who struggled last season, but that's Eli. He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. And RG3 in Washington, who who knows what RG3 is going to be. We all want RG3 to, to, to be able to uh, come on back, and uh, we want RG3 to be the guy that we thought he could be. That's what we want for RG3. But injuries have changed RG3. Injuries have, have prevented RG3 from being that guy. And, you know, injuries as well as mechanics. But we'll see what happens with RG3. Obviously, NFC North, like I said, Aaron Rodgers is a franchise quarterback. Matthew Stafford, he's close. But he, he you know, he's got to be able to make the big plays and not make the big mistakes. But Stafford is a, is, a, is a solid quarterback. The Vikings, Teddy Bridgewater, he's on, it seems like he's on the upswing, and Jay Cutler with the Chicago Bears, who knows. Carolina and the NFC South. Carolina, Cam Newton, he's got a new deal. He's paid now, so he doesn't have to worry about that contract. We'll see if he can go out there and ball and get them to the playoffs. And, you know, he got them there last season. You could say they backdoored the playoffs, and, you know, seven and eight, in their division, but, you know, uh, and ultimately they won. They they beat the Cardinals there in the wild card game, went to Seattle. Seattle handled them. But, again, you know, they have a guy in Cam Newton that you can say maybe is a franchise quarterback, getting paid like one. But, you know, Cam Newton's a guy that, you know, if he is who they want him to be, who they're paying him to be, then, you know, in, in, in essence, they have a franchise guy. New Orleans, Drew Brees, he's a franchise-caliber quarterback, so you got to say the Saints have a chance. The Falcons, if Matty Ice can, can you know, get some protection and, you know, then and play some ball and they can get some good defense, you know, maybe the Falcons. Uh, they have a franchise-caliber quarterback. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston, you know, they drafted him with the hope that he can be their franchise guy. We go to the West. NFC West Seattle, Russell Wilson, he got paid. He's a franchise caliber quarterback. Arizona, Carson Palmer, uh, 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 uh. But I look at, you know what? I look at this NFC West, and, and you know, St. Louis has a ton of talent. And I always looked at St. Louis and, you know, the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, just the talent they have in general. You're thinking a quarterback away, a quarterback away from being a contending football team. And you look at St. Louis, Nick Foles is in the fold, and if Nick Foles can duplicate what he did a couple years ago, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, well, who they have a franchise quarterback if he duplicates that. So I look at St. Louis, and, and they're going to be, in, they're going to be a, I think, a better football team. They were 6-10 and 10 last season, and if you, I, their schedule was, was, was rough, murder, a murder schedule. 
And obviously, you're in the NFC West, Seattle twice, Arizona twice, and even the 49ers, who were at 8-8 last season, but, you know, were they truly an 8-8 football team last season? Their quarterback play suffered. Kaepernick struggled. 49ers are going to be interesting. They may take a step back, obviously. You know, a new coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh, gone, off to Michigan. Who has it better than us? And Jim Harbaugh, he's gone. And, and so... St. Louis, I mean, uh, you know, everybody's retiring in, in San Francisco. Retirements after retirements after retirements in, in, in San Francisco. I mean, you know, guys quit. Justin Smith getting out of there. You know, 49ers, a lot of guys, you know, decided, yeah, we don't want to do football no more. Borland, you know, he's he left. You know, I don't want to do football no more. I don't want nothing happening to my brain. I don't want you to scatter my brain up. I mean, I want to I want to use my brain for something else. I want my brain to be be, be solid and, and good after football. So Borland, he decided to retire. You know, so Anthony Davis, offensive tackle. They he, you know, he got out of there. Patrick Willis, he's gone. I mean, so you know, they're retiring left and right out there in a San Francisco. So you, you you lose that type of talent, you're thinking step back for the 49ers. But if their quarterback can be the franchise guy that they think he can be, well, then obviously uh, the 49ers are, are going to be a team, a solid football team if Kaepernick plays like a franchise caliber guy and if they can make some replacements on the defensive side of the ball, replacing Justin Smith and, and, and Patrick Willis you know, man, Chris Borland as well, guys who, who were, you know, good defensive football players. But, you know, it, it just comes down to having that franchise caliber guy. You you need that franchise caliber guy if you want to to go somewhere in the National Football League. That That's just bottom line. That's just point blank. And how about, you know, we, we weren't here last week. LaShawn McCoy, I mean, Shady. You know, this, this guy had, uh, he ultimately called it off, but he had an invitation-only party. Women only. You know, women only. And this guy, you know, posted on Instagram and, you know, come on out. Come on out. You know, <laughs> like, come on. And, and here's, here, here, you know, we can have beef with LaShawn McCoy and him, you know, putting that out there, and obviously that's silly. Obviously that's dumb. You know, it's just not smart. It's just not smart. You know, I'm I'm looking at the flyer now, Sunday, July 26, 10 p.m. until Shady LaShawn McCoy, private event celebration, private location. You know, he's got an email you can RSVP at, females only 21 plus a month. What the heck is going on there? Well, Shady talked about it, <laughs> talked about it uh, today. Quote, I felt like it was like a thing I do every year with teammates. It's something I bring together with teammates, but I didn't do it this year. It got too wild. I should, nev- I should never have posted it. And I take blame for it, really. You should never, you should never have posted it. Avi. And, and, and who is his, part of his team, his agent, his, his, his publicist? Like, dude. What are you doing? And, and and also, I mean, you know, 
he went on to say, but for the record, it was not not. Excuse me, let me read it again. For the record, it was no weird orgy thing going on. No weird orgy thing going on. Well, I, I look at it and I'm thinking, you know, you know, no weird orgy thing going on, but it's only females. You do it for your teammates. No weird orgy thing going on. Females only. 21 and up, again, no weird orgy thing going on. I mean, you know, come on. Come on, Shady. You got to do better. Got a few minutes left. Let's bring in Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. Willie. He dropped. Uh, Hopefully we'll uh, see if we can get him on. But anyway, you got to do better, Shady. You, you, You can't be doing that. But here's the thing. Like, dude. You're a good, good-looking brother. You know, you, you make a lot of money. Do it the old-fashioned way. Go to a club, round up some women, bring them back, and do what you do. Let's bring in Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Willie. How's it going, Paul? How are you? Good. we got a few minutes left, but let, let's get right down to it. Tom Brady, you know, Roger Goodell, he made his decision. He upheld the four-game suspension. Your thoughts on it? Mm-hmm. After after he tore the phone up, I will have to uh, uh, agree. You know what happened. I said he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have did the four games, but I guess he was sending the message after after the cell phone incident. Now, I mean, were you were you surprised? Did you think it was going to be reduced? I thought it would surprised? be I, I thought it would be reduced if 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 uh, Tom like, came and talked to them and everything was. Was 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 um kept been on the up and up, but after after we get a cell phone, and, and he didn't get a cell phone, I didn't think it was going to be reduced. Do you think uh, Tom Brady did exactly what the league probably did with exactly what the league is saying that he did? Yes, I think I think something happened, and he and he didn't want to say anything, and didn't want to do anything that uh, hurt the. Uh, the people that worked in, in the staff that, that worked there, so you know he didn't want to get them involved in it. Do you look at Tom Brady any differently? I don't, but do you? Well, did you look at him differently? No, no, no I, don't know. I don't know. Tom Brady's the best quarterback to play the game. He's a competitor. Uh, you know, we're talking about balls here. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't take all that out the balls. We're talking about football. Was the league should have been taking care of that and making sure. The balls they they should have been in charge of the football ball already. I don't I don't understand why they weren't in charge of the football situation already. This is not I did not know. And I played football this long that the teams got to select their own balls. I would have thought the league would have already had control of that. I thought they did. I did not know this. Yeah, you would you, to your point, you would think that it would be something that wouldn't even be open to, to any type of suspicion if the league is control in control of everything. When I know the quarterbacks Petition to to try to get the you know get it uh, changed so you know they can be familiar with some of the footballs and things of that nature. But ultimately, you know, I agree. I mean, you, you would think to prevent this type of thing moving forward, it would be in the best interest for the league to control everything. But you know, who knows? But so before before we get out of here, I know you know you're doing big things out there in Chicago, signing a few autographs and things of that nature. You know, Lashawn McCoy, 
uh, last week uh, he, he put out a flyer, you know, talking about a private event, put it on Instagram, private location, females only, 21 and up, a must. Your thoughts on, on that nonsense? Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing and what's he gonna do with uh, two hundred females by himself. I just don't understand why he needs to have an event by himself. Uh you know, why wouldn't he wanna invite anybody else to that to that type of uh, you know, to the party. I don't understand it, but well to well, no, but I don't understand why he has to have a party by him and a party by himself with everybody. Well, Seems like he wanna have, have the woman to have some, some some people to talk to other than him. He can't talk to all of them. Well, he did say apparently that it was going to be teammates there and guys, other guys there, but obviously he was, you know, putting the flyer out uh, and an RSVP email for, I guess, the females to come. So I guess he wanted, you know, maybe some of his boys, some of his teammates in the building, along with uh, a boatload of, of young, beautiful uh, females. And I, I, well, I hope there was an, I was, I was enough uh, guys in there with the girls. I want. I wouldn't want to be a hundred some girls and ten, fifteen dudes. Well, I mean, you know, it did. Well, it did, he did say, for the record, this, these are his quotes. For the record, it was no weird orgy thing going on. But I mean, only females only. Um, it, it sounds like I'm not. I don't know. I don't know what was going through his mind, but it does sound like he's probably doing something to have some type of good time. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you, well, you'll never know the truth. You'll never know what happened because uh, they probably saw something disclaimer anyway, so you'll never know. But let me ask you this. You know, you, you look at it this, whatever happened the old-fashioned way. You know, you and your boys go to a club. You round up a bunch of girls. You bring them back. You do what you do. I mean, you're an NFL player. You're a decent-looking dude. You got money. Come on. You work a little. You know, just but, go out there and work. But, but they don't do it that way no more. You guys are, <laughs> you know, are small. They don't. They're not going to the club, getting them and bringing them all back. You know, they're at the party. They, 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 these guys, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a it's this tech stuff. It's a different uh, day and age now. You, you, you got to put your hands to the plow. You, you got to go out. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, come on. You don't need to do all this stuff. It's stupid. Some dating website. Everybody's going on the dating website. These people are becoming billionaires on the dating website. But these are you're talking about. You know, these are these are professional athletes. I mean, these these are dudes. You know, bodies are in decent shape. These are dudes got a bunch of money to throw around. Come on, you can't just go out and just get it. They're afraid. To, they're afraid to go out. They're afraid to be photographed, man. These these dudes are afraid to wear. You know, they're afraid to go out. They're afraid to get photographed. The compromising situation. I don't know if you saw. I heard about the picture with um with uh what's the what's the what's the receiver. The receiver that got drafted, Odell Beckham got himself in a, you know, compromising percentage. I mean, these these women are snapping photographs. They don't care what's going on when they snap it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a different day, different era. And, and to your point, with with cell phones and cameras and. You know, chats and all that other stuff. You just have to make sure when the girl comes around, when you're hanging out with these people, you have somebody to put everything up and take their cell phone. You, the problem is if you take the cell phone and stuff from, you know, if you go, if you, even if they come back at the after party, everybody's going to be fooling around on their cell phone. If you take, if you say, 
Too many people say, for them, they won't know what to do. They're going to lose their mind. They don't know how to hold a conversation. That is true. I mean, that, that is, that, and that's an indictment on us as a society that a lot of us, you know, unfortunately, we're looking down at our phones instead of looking up and talking to people in front of us. Willie, it's a pleasure, man. Nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. We'll do it again. So I'm a little late. Oh, no problem. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. I want to thank actor Neil Brown Jr. for stopping by, Stephen Jackson, Redskins Terrence Plummer, Jacob Stitch Duran, and Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForAgain. Also hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash GoForAgain. For everybody here at GoFor, we hope you have a great weekend. Great week. See you next week. Take care.